All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. This episode is part of the Founder Series, where I explore the mental fitness required for entrepreneurs and teams to thrive during the most demanding phases of building a business. Because when our minds thrive, so do innovations, teams, and businesses. We all win. And today we've got Mike Dovey, who is a general partner at IAG Firemark Ventures, a $150 million corporate venture capital fund for IAG, Australia's largest general insurance company. Mike is a founder himself, having started Around You, which was acquired by Nextdoor.com, and is the partner personally and professionally to our past guest, Lauren Dovey, founder of The Heat Healer. Mike, welcome. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. We're we're kicking off a brand new docu-series on the show, which you've graciously accepted to be a part of. And I'm excited about that because you touch on a few of the areas or topics that I really want to cover, which are founders themselves, but also the investors and in institutional funds that are are helping at least financially support a lot of these businesses. Um, and then also I'm talking to, you know, different coaches and whatnot that are working with, uh, with all involved. So it's gonna be fun to get a, a little bit more of a 360 degree view since you've been through a lot of this. So, so thank you. Thank you very much. No, I'm happy to be here. All right. So let's, let's do this. Why don't we just, just to set some context, um, why don't you just provide a little bit of your story or background and in, in, um, kind of the the sped up version of of how you got to where you're you're currently at with uh, uh, with the venture fund that you're you're working with? Sure. So sped up version. So born and raised in Sydney, Australia. Um, finished high school, went to university, did a traditional degree in uh, in business and finance, accounting, and sort of came out of that not entirely knowing. Uh, what direction I wanted to go, but knowing I wanted to do something uh, centered around business. And I think I'd always had a bit of a entrepreneurial flair, um, even going right back to when I was a kid, I was that kid that would, you know, have these little side hustles and businesses, even as a 10 year old kid. Um, so I always sort of dreamed of, of being an entrepreneur, but coming out of university. Did you have that around in like your family or was that like, where did, where did that come from? Do you think? So I think, so my, uh, Parents had, uh, you know, traditional career paths, but always encouraged the entrepreneurial spirit, I think, across um, all of their kids, so my brother and my sister as well. But I think it's something probably innately inbuilt in me, sometimes to my own detriment. So I think (laughs) (laughs) business I tried to start as a kid, um, and this was a period in time when, uh, for a very brief period, we were living in the United States, and um, I was living in New Jersey. My family was uh, working in New York City, and we did a trip into New York City, um, and we saw a street artist um, who was using uh, spray cans and, and graffiti paint, but to draw these amazing uh, artworks of um, the universe and stars and solar systems. And but he would do these things incredibly quickly, so he'd, he'd produce these artworks about twenty minutes, and it would look phenomenal. And I was a ten-year-old kid, and I remember seeing that, thinking, "This guy's doing this in twenty minutes, and he's selling these things for you know." and I was doing the math in my head about this is easy he's this is a guy he's just got some spray cans and some paint and some paper and he's he's making a fortune so I you know went back home and got my best friend and 
we've got a bunch of spray cans and thought, okay, this would be easy. We can replicate this. We'll just, you know, do our own little artworks and very quickly realize that there is a thing called talent, which we <laughs> not have. But nonetheless, we, um, you know, we produced, I suppose, some blobs of paint on paper and we went door knocking um, and tried to sell these things. And we got turned away a bunch of times until finally uh, there was one gentleman who I think just took pity on us and uh, probably appreciated the fact that we were having a go and we were trying to do something. So he, he bought one of our paintings, I think it was for a dollar or something like that. Okay. Uh, we, we quickly gave up on that. But I think that entrepreneurial um, you know, spirit had always been a part of me. But coming out of university, I wasn't quite clear uh, what I wanted to pursue in terms of a, a business idea. I'd had a bunch of things that were probably floating around in my head, but nothing concrete. So I started my career in a rather traditional sense at an investment bank. Um, and my thinking there was, well, if I'm going to start a career in business, it's not the worst place to start to throw yourself in the deep end in a high pressure environment where you're surrounded by high caliber people Um and there still is very much an entrepreneurial uh, sense of achievement and, and work effort that goes into investment banking as well. So that's where I started. I was there for two years, uh, but pretty quickly that entrepreneurial, you know, flair with inside me came, came back. back. <laughs> um, so I joined up with a, a good friend of mine from university who uh, was very technical. I mean, I'd describe him as a, you know, technical genius. This is a guy who went through university building robots and, um, all kinds of complicated uh, software applications and machine learning programs and things like this. And I joined up with him uh, to build what was a, a business called Around You at the time. So this was in 2009. The internet was a radically different place and uh, online business directories were, you know, still a thing. So yeah. we were competing against the yellow pages to try and take uh, advertising dollars away from traditional media, local newspapers, you know, the actual yellow pages printed book. And we were putting that online through a business directory, which became quite successful. We grew that, um, had a team of 50 people in Sydney, went the full, you know, journey on that experience of um, starting with a friend, you know, traditional two co-founders, not much money. We bootstrapped it. We we're fortunate to benefit from uh, some grants and some programs where, uh, we were supported financially to get it off the ground. Um, grew that into a business. Didn't quite end up, you know, we didn't end up selling it for a billion dollars and buying yachts and mansions around the world. But we did have shocking. A, That's not yeah, always the journey. Not a, I mean, it's how you, you you start with the dream and reality sets in pretty quick. And I mean, it was a hell of a journey. That's for sure. Um, but we did end up finding an exit, and we merged into another. Australian business, which ended up being acquired by uh, Nextdoor, which is a large US company. Um, and then after that, I found my way into venture capital. So I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time to combine my earlier finance experience with the whole entrepreneurial startup journey I'd had and start turning my attention towards investing into new businesses as opposed to just being an operator. But yeah, as a what, was the, what was the attractiveness of that? Like, how does one go into into that space so the attractiveness for me was again i think there's i think people are either entrepreneurial and they have something inside them or or they don't and yeah. for me i think it's always been a part of me so the attractiveness for me when i just came out of uh you know five six years building a startup and 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 it was a grind like it's a hard hard journey and i know you, yeah we're gonna go back you know, to that, down that path <laughs> yourself and, and yeah we'll talk a lot about that but yeah it's hard so coming out of that 
I didn't want to go back into a completely traditional uh, career path. I wanted to still be surrounded in that environment. Um, and I think I was fortunate to be able to think about, well, what skill set do I have now and how can I still contribute to that uh, startup ecosystem and how can I still satisfy within myself that entrepreneurial um, you know, spirit? Yeah. And the best way for me to do that, I found, was to now support other founders on their journey um, and sit on the other side of the table and be an investor as opposed to just a startup operator. So that's what I've been doing for the last almost seven years now um, through Firemark Ventures. Amazing. Amazing. Um, okay, well, let, let's, yeah, let's go back to some of those early days with around you and so because so, you you did raise some money or you you definitely you, you mentioned you got some grants and things like that and then there was like if there was a, a a merger and whatnot like do you remember do you remember though like how you were feeling during those years like like what span of time was that roughly you know from starting that business to getting to that i guess maybe that first merger so I think I was, I think when you're a young founder, you're fortunate because you don't have um, too much obligation in the rest of your life. So it's, yeah, easy it's like to everything take that risk yeah. when you're young. Uh, yeah. And me and my co founder, we were like yin and yang um, together. You know, I was leading business strategy and I was the first salesperson. You know, I'd be the one on the phone talking to local businesses to get them onto our directory. Um, and we're able, you're able to live a, you know, you have to take a lot of risk and live a frugal life and, and put all your energy into the business. And I would try and use, you know, I didn't really think it through at the time in terms of like dedicated frameworks for thinking. And I think yeah. um, I've really considered that a lot more in the, the years since. And I know part of this um, is what you dive into in your book as well and different uh, methodologies just for how to train your brain, how to think. I didn't really have that at the time. It was more just a real simplistic feeling of, you know what, I'm young, I've got nothing to lose, I need to throw myself in the deep end. The worst case scenario is that this thing doesn't work out, but I'll be a lot richer in experience and at least I'll know that I had a go and I took that yeah. chance and I pursued something. And if I don't pursue it, I knew that I would regret it because I'd always have that thought in the back of my head that if I don't try and do this, I'll forever be you know, second-guessing myself and wondering whether I should have. And even though it didn't uh, turn out to be this huge, you know, financial success in the end, I don't regret a moment of it. The good parts, mm -hmm. the the hard parts, you know, the highs and the lows, um, the journey made me, I think, a, a, a wiser, better person for it. it certainly has made me a, a better investor, I believe, as well. So, oh, yeah, right? Because, I mean, you had, you basically had a wide open view of, you know exactly what a lot of the the founders you're investing in are like what they're feeling what they're going through right correct and i mean the hardest part i think when you're a first time founder is for for one you 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 have a benefit of not knowing what you don't know so you can sort of go into <laughs> yeah, blind totally. optimism which yeah. is a good thing because i think um you know when you've had more experience you also become a bit more conservative and you think you're crazy to even start. And when I look at uh, how we started that business and how we tried to grow so quickly and, you know, hiring all these different people and had I have known in advance, 
how you know difficult that was going to be and the hurdles that you're going to face and have to overcome if you're being completely practical about it you'd probably say hey, you, you you know you're crazy like <laughs> you're totally crazy but when you're uh, young and you've got nothing to lose and you've got blind optimism for the future then i think it's fantastic you know you can jump in you can take that risk and and you figure it out as you go along so for me that yeah. was a there's a five-year journey from start okay. to finish, about five years okay I, I just wrote something down about just because I never thought about this from a, a first time founder's perspective is probably much different than, you know, kind of second time around and whatnot. I mean, because I, now I'm remembering what it felt like when, you know, jumping into that world and essentially being a founder again, but in a very different business, obviously. There's just so many, like, it's just a different perspective, obviously. And and I remember, like, exactly what you're just throwing yourself into it and you're just fully immersed and and whatnot. So I, I guess the question that comes up, especially now that you're working with founders as well, is just, I guess, what can we do at that stage to provide education? I don't want to use that word education, but pr- I guess provide some sort of perspective shift of, Hey, like totally understand the motivation and all of this, but we also need to try to keep your mind somewhat healthy throughout this, this journey. Cause that's, that's the other element I want to unpack, like going from you and your partner to having a team of, you know, 50 plus, I mean, I'm, I imagine there were some higher pressure points during those journeys where you're like, holy shit, like, what are we, like, what are we doing here? Or we're just trying to figure this stuff out kind of as, as we're going, right? It was constant. And I mean, the hardest thing for me was at the end of that journey when the landscape that we operated in started to shift and change. So we started competing against yellow pages, you know, taking uh, business away from an incumbent, you know, uh, industry effectively. Like the yeah. local newspapers and the book was a, you know, it was going to become redundant. That was very clear to us. What wasn't so clear to us in the beginning was that, which should have been in hindsight, was that uh, Facebook and Google, these things existed at the time, but they weren't necessarily operating at a hyper-local space, which is the area we operated in. As the years went on, uh, that macro environment and that landscape started to shift uh, dramatically. So we started to see those headwinds blowing against us. The more Google would push into local advertising um, with their map listings, with Google reviews, Google places, it started to become very clear that, uh, you know, we were fighting an uphill battle that we weren't going to win. So mentally it was hard to try and accept that because we'd gone on this journey where initially, uh, you know, we were making good money and the business was growing and everything was working Mm -hmm. fast. And it was this sort of slow realization towards the end after grinding for a number of years and, you know, feeling incredibly proud of what we did achieve, yeah. but then also facing reality and saying, hang on, now the environment's shifting. And it was a hard pill to swallow to consider that, um, you know, the business that we'd made, it might be no longer viable into the, into the future and trying to, you know, come to terms with that. Well, what do we do now? And then you start to have all that doubt as well after yeah. you know, I'd started in investment banking. Then I'd spent a whole bunch of years uh, building a business, a startup business, and they're thinking, okay, if this, if we need to find an exit now, and if, if I'm not doing this business anymore, like what am I going to do, and what is the team going to do? And we've got all these people and you know other stakeholders involved. So that was like the hardest thing is the the feeling of 
uh, doubt or uncertainty about the future after spending a number of years building something. Um, and I don't think at the time, I mean, I, I certainly wasn't equipped with the right, uh, you know, mental frameworks or the way to, to process that. It was all trying to just figure this out on my yeah. own. And, and it's also a different time, right? Like we weren't talking about this stuff as much as we are now. Like I even noticed it in the last three, four years. So, you know, just to give yourself some credit on this one, I mean, like it was not that it didn't exist, but there definitely wasn't a focus like there is today on, hey, we've got, you know, we've got to do some mental fitness. Even the word mental fitness, like for the most part, is still a, a very new term, right, uh, globally. Correct. Um, I mean, mental health is, is, is definitely more discussed, but there's still comes with a loaded amount of stigma associated to it. So, Correct. I, I, like, I'm not surprised that it's like, oh yeah, I wasn't consciously thinking about those things. But I am curious to know what you wish you did have at those in those those moments, like knowing what you know now, type thing. So I, I wish I went on a path of uh, you know self education. I think as well to try and find those mental okay. frameworks. Which, um, and again, like it was a it was a different time. Um, and it's, I think it's fantastic now that this is so uh, much more talked about and more openly talked about than what it was, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. But, mm. you know, one of the things that stuck with me, um, was I, I started reading as a, as a classic book, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. I think yeah. it's called it. Um, but I started reading through that book and the, the first thing that really, you know, stood out to me was this concept around that you, there's spheres of influence that you can control. And then there's things that you can't control. And mm -hmm. most people spend a lot of time worrying about things that they can't control. Whereas if you focus on, uh, you know, what is within your power today to control and starting yeah. with something as simple as, well, you can control, you know, your breath, for example, yeah. like you can, you can start with some breath work. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious and, um, at least you have that, you know, that's one thing mm -hmm. you can start to focus on and just center yourself and bring yourself, you know, back to a sense of calm and just acknowledge that there's a million things going on in the world, uh, that may or may not impact your business, but there's things more important than your business as well. There's your health, uh, there's, yeah. uh, the society you live in, there's your family, there's all these other considerations. So your business is not the only thing uh of substance or of importance in your life and so i started you know going through this process of a lot of self-education and, and reading as much as i could read to try and just train my mind on how to just how to think and how to process difficult uh situations so that's what i went through but it was very random it wasn't it wasn't structured um in terms of how i went about doing that it was just things that I would read that would almost seem like, you know, a light bulb moment in my brain. Sure. I think as simple as that, it, you know, it's not, um, it's not a complicated concept to understand, but when I read it and started to process it and started to think about how that could apply in my own life, my, in my own business, um, I think it, it radically changed, you know, my perception, um, on myself and also just on life that, everything is sort of a little chapter in a, in a much bigger book. And yeah. that startup journey I had was, you know, it was one small uh, chapter and it was a good chapter. 
and it's led me, uh, you know, to, to better things since as well. So mm-hmm. that's what I, I think. Yeah, no, that's, that, that that's, I mean, for classic book, uh, and, and the, the whole, I mean, I think of stoicism when it comes to just, you know, what's in, what's in your control and what's outside of your control. It's for me, it's often reading these stoic philosophies or, or these little passages that, cause they're always coming back to this idea of, we always have, we always have the opportunity to take the next step forward, right? That's always within our control. I mean, the step is, could be different, but often we're focusing on all of the things around the step that, you know, is after the fact or that could happen or, I mean, forget business. I mean, we're in that reality right now with uh, just so much uncertainty with the world and, and COVID and like wars and all this stuff. Like there's so much, right, that can occupy our um, our mental real estate if we can just slow it down and be like, okay, well, what, like truly what is within my control right now? This is a great prompt, right? Correct. So it's interesting. I think like, you know, not that I'm trying to jump into solutions right now, but um, like education is, is, is probably key or well-timed education. And, and especially when it comes to uh, founders at that stage of even someone helping them zoom out because to your point, and I remember that, like, you're just so nothing else exists, you know, other than like the strategy you're working on or the the end goal or like getting the, you know, the team on, on, on the certain mission. But if there's someone there, uh, and I'm not saying like whether it's coaches or it could be a book, but something to just like pull out a little bit and see the 80,000 foot view and just to your point, like look at some of the other big buckets of of your life as well, right? Yeah, it's correct. Not, it's not just that that business. And stoicism, for me, when I started to understand that as a concept, again, it was one of those light bulb moments when it almost seemed unbelievable to me that this thought process and some of those, um, you know, uh, th- those books were written thousands of years yeah. ago, but seemed just as relevant and contemporary. But the context, you know, is you know, a little bit different. Like I'm trying to build a, you know, a digital business to take on the yellow pages and I'm being defeated <laughs> by Google. And then you've got these books that are referencing things thousands of years ago and the events might be different, but the, the process is the same. And that, yeah. And the know, emotion and right? the, emotion the feelings. And, yeah, yeah, totally. All the human emotion, the feelings, you know, jealousy, concern, worry, um, being preoccupied about things that, you know, you don't need to uh, concern yourself with. It's it's just human behavior is not fundamentally different today as opposed to what it was thousands of years ago. We're still we're still the same yeah. creature. And when it's I started so to process that as well, um, I mean, that really struck home to me as well that there's a whole history behind this and these concepts are not necessarily new. Um, it does still surprise me that it's not as well taught. And I know it, it, there's certainly a... a stronger movement towards uh mental fitness and stoicism and um and helping people to train their brain in the right way just to process the world whether they're entrepreneurial or not yeah um but the the tools and techniques are not necessarily new they're thousands of years old so that to me that was a you know groundbreaking insight 
Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think, because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. Well, that's, I mean, it's, yeah, it, I totally agree. I mean, and it's often something that I uh, bring up as well, because with my work, when it comes to mental fitness and specifically journaling and questions, like I'm not inventing questions and definitely not inventing journaling. I mean, it's literally been around, especially from the, in the stoicism age, it's been around since the beginning of time. Um, I think what's important though is, is that, we can modernize like the use cases and the, in the context, right? Like that's where it becomes, Oh, then I think that's where we, we all have those light bulb moments. Like, yeah, that totally makes sense in like my current, you know, situation. Um, and I'd love to understand, like, I feel like we need to do more of that at, especially at those beginning stages of, of starting a business. And, and, and this is where like the intersect and why I'm excited to, to ask some more, uh, ask you more questions around like your current job um, at Firemark Ventures, but just like what you're seeing in the different stages of investment and like the pressure points and like just knowing what you went through as a founder as, as well. Like I'm wondering if there are opportunities and maybe it's not with, 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 uh, with investors, maybe it's somewhere else down the path, but like, where can we as a collective team, cause we're all trying to support each other in some way to, to get these ideas off the ground, right? Cause we all win, you know, when, when these things work out, um, like where are those, those inflection points, right? Where like, I'm trying to think of when like, okay, now you had to hire more people. Like it's just gone from, you know, a couple people to there's a team and, and all of this, like, was that an area or like, where were those big moments where you kind of wish you had like ultimate support, you know, um, yeah. from whoever at that point, we don't have to name people or, or whether it's investors, but just like, where are those moments? Yeah. So uh, the thing I think is interesting when you think about a startup versus a traditional corporate style business is that, you know, most startups will go on a similar journey, um, you know, not too dissimilar to the one I went on where it's like two people, you have an idea, you start with not much and you start to grow pretty quick and you need to keep adapting yourself throughout that journey and the skill sets that are required shift, you know, dramatically along that journey as well. Yeah. So when you're a team of two people and you're trying to get a concept um, just in market, it's a very different founder experience to when you're a team of 50 people and maybe you've raised a whole bunch of capital now and the stakes are a lot higher and mm -hmm. um you're now in you know uh high growth mode and um you're, you're managing lots of different people and personalities and you're trying to structure teams and they're very different skill sets and experiences and if you think about a traditional uh corporate style work environment and you were hiring for different functions and different roles you 
have a very defined job description for a team and you would go and you'd hire a person who has experience and personality traits and skill sets that match against that specific role. And that's how traditional business works and is structured. But Mm -hmm. when you think about a startup and the founders, it's that they have to wear many different hats and often they're not going to be equipped for all those different changes that are thrown at them. So they might be well-equipped to get a uh, concept of product into market initially, but then, you know, how do they go about facing the challenge of managing a team of 50 people or a hundred people or 200 people and, and beyond? So yeah. the rate of personal change and personal development that those founders need to go through is, you know, it's, it's phenomenal and radical, but it puts a lot of stress and mistakes are going to be made along the way as well. And we've seen this in our portfolio uh, companies where, um, you know, I remember one of our uh, portfolio companies and, and I won't, you know, say who it is and they've come yeah, out here extremely successful, but they took it, they, they went on that exact journey where they launched with a fantastic product. This is a US based company, you know, traditional Silicon Valley style mentality around fast growth. They raised a whole bunch of capital and they had a sales strategy, which wasn't uh, fit for purpose anymore. It worked when they were you know, early and young, it wasn't working at scale. And okay. the company got to the point where, you know, it went right to the edge in terms of their viability. And I remember I was <laughs> on a trip to the US and I was in their office and it was a very, the sense of impending doom <laughs> was overwhelming. <laughs> you could feel it. Because oh, no. <laughs> it was, uh, they had raised a whole bunch of money and they had a big office, you know, grand plans for expansion, a huge office. And when things weren't working out and people were having to be let go and the company was shrinking and it wasn't just the sales strategy anymore that they realized was not working. They realized if they wanted to be viable, they also had to adapt their product. And there's a bunch of other issues uh, going on. I remember seeing with those two founders and I I could sense the, you know, I think from my own journey, I had a great deal of empathy for what they were going through and the change that they would have to make in their business, uh, to, to find, you know, their, their, uh, viability into the future was almost overwhelming, but to their credit and, you know, I take no part in this. I mean, I, I did what I could to try and sort of support them and, and be an ear for them to talk to and to, to listen to. But, it was just about trying to get them to think, you know, what is going to be their next step. If you try and yeah. focus on the overwhelming task in front of you with the change that would have to be made and the self-reflection they had to go through as well to realize that, um, you know, they thought they had all the answers and they thought they'd continue to be the right people to uh, execute all these different functions of the business to succeed. But that self-reflection of, hey, we're not perfect as well and there's things we don't mm-hmm. know and, we need to change entirely the team we have. We need to change uh, the product that we're working on. That yeah. is like, it's an overwhelming it's big. Well, and that's that, the difference between corporate, right? I think like or, uh, maybe, I mean, I don't want to, you know, draw conclusions that uh, there's so many different situations, but like it's personal with founders in these right. cases, right? Yeah. Versus like if you're hired in, at, I don't know, Apple and, you know, you're, you're working there and you've got to make these massive changes and, but you were at IBM for the last 15 years. Like there's just a different relationship there versus 
like this is your baby here then you know you're there's an identity wrapped up into this whole thing as well right but if they let that um overwhelm them which it very well could have and it, it is overwhelming it could have crippled him and created that sense of anxiety to their credit these two guys were some of the most resilient founders i think i've ever encountered and what they did okay. so well was to just focus on what is our next step. And okay. I remember seeing it, like having that perspective as an investor and there was more funding that had to be provided as well. And we supported that with more funding in the face of what seemed like an insurmountable task. It got to the point where as an investor, we were looking at it. And and this is, I think, an you know important consideration for any investor as well is that you can't just look at the numbers. It's not just about what you're seeing on a spreadsheet, yeah. especially when a business needs to go through radical change, that's when it becomes very personal when you think about the founder. And to their credit, these guys never lost um, they never lost the perspective on you know what they were doing. And they never lost the energy and the enthusiasm to see this thing through. They still had that. And what they did mm. so well was just to focus on what is our next step going to be. But as an investor, you know, like a logical look at it would say, hang on, you, you know, you guys are a number of years into this journey and it's like you're trying to climb Mount Everest, but you have fallen into a crevasse that is incredibly deep. And you're not only, you know, at the base of Mount Everest, you're in a crevasse (laughs) off to the side in the middle of nowhere and you've still got Mount Everest to go. And that's where you try yeah. to get to. So how how's that going to happen? And if you were completely logical about it, you'd say, well, I'm not going to bet on these guys anymore, right? Like it doesn't make sense. But when you put that sort of logical, practical thinking aside and then think about the human element of this and these two guys still had that plan, that, okay, well, our next step is we start to climb out of the crevasse and this is how we do it and these are the tools we need and we're just going to put one foot in front of the other. And to their credit, they did and they turned their business around and a number of years later, it's one of the best performing companies in our uh, portfolio because okay. the founders never lost sight of what they were doing. You know, yeah. they hit those hurdles, but they never lost sight of it. What do you think then? <clears throat> because, I mean, I've never been in, in your shoes from uh, from an investor standpoint. And you can speak of, of this from like an industry perspective, but like do you think the 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 regular reaction would have been to to wa- to walk away or like like what is you know what is the defining point there because i know you, you mentioned it's like yeah they they seem really focused putting you know one step in front of the, you know the other and, and taking that next step but logically as an investor uh you know it's a little bit more complicated than that i guess like how do we how do we get to, how do we get to that phase of Hey, there's a human here, right? Or are we there? Or is there a gap? Like, I don't know. I, I'm not in that world. I, and I, with our company, we never got to the point of raising funding, so I'm not sure what it feels like to go through that phase. So I'm a big believer in you know you back the founders so long as they still have the vision and the conviction in what they're doing, and the vision and conviction can change in terms of. Um, you know, what the goals are and what the strategy is, that's fine. It's fine for that to change. But I think as investors, especially when you're investing in an early stage company, you're first and foremost, you're backing the team more than anything else. You know, ideas may or may not work out, 
Um, and some founders will get into the journey and they might decide, you know what, I, I don't have enough in the tank anymore. And the idea is not working. And me personally, as a founder, it's, it's not working either. And I think that's mm-hmm. fine. And those founders should be supported, not with more capital, but sometimes things don't work out. Right. And that's, that's normal. Yeah. That's the way it goes. But other times, like in the story I just shared, and, and it's happened a few times in our portfolio where we've seen uh, companies go right to the edge of survival, but the founder still has it. And they still, they recognize the hard truths that what they're building might need to change and the strategy might need to change, but they haven't given up on themselves. They haven't given up on a yeah. you know grander vision of what the startup could be. So this is where I think, um, you know, founder empathy from an investor perspective is so important. I think it's something that's helped me as an investor, having gone through a founder experience myself to be able to identify that. And the times where we have backed those founders in their hard moments, they don't forget it either. And they know it's a irrational thing sometimes to write another Mm -hmm. investment check at their lowest point, because you could just say, well, it hasn't worked. Let's cut our losses and we move on. I'm yeah. so glad in the times where uh, we've encountered that with our portfolio companies where we haven't done it. I'm glad both because I can reflect on it and it was the right decision, uh, I think, personally, and I feel you know proud about it, but also financially, some of those companies are now our best performing uh, companies in the portfolio. So it's important, I think, for investors to understand that human element. It goes way beyond just the numbers, um, yeah. especially in early stage startups, you're backing the founder, you're backing the team. Yeah. So sticking on that theme, I mean, it's just a perfect segue or setup to kind of the meat of what I'm trying to get at with this docu-series and and to see where, you know, where we can back the human even more. Uh, No doubt, you know, the the finances are are huge. The finances are, are at least in my opinion, were like the most stressful <laughs> periods of, of a lot of that journey, right? You're always, for, for us, we're always thinking like, are we going to make it this month? Like, you know, it's all, you're always on the edge uh, a lot of the times, or at least through parts of that, that, that journey. What have you seen um, just in the, in, in the industry in general, when it comes to like any type of support, for founders or teams, like when it comes to their mind, whether that's coaches or, um, I hate to say courses because, like, if I, I'm trying to think, if someone would have su- suggested a course, it'd be like, really, like that's the last thing I have time to do is run through a course at this point. Um, but just even, even just conversation, right, or like that, that empathy, like what you're talking about. I mean, you're, it's there with you. You can tell, uh, and it seems like it's, it's there with your team as well, but like, how do we do that on a more preventative scale? Right. So it's not just in those like crisis moments. Yeah. So, and more needs to be done in it. I think it's interesting because, you know, I've talked a lot, I think in, uh, this interview today with you about how much of what we do as an investor centers around backing the founder, backing the team. Right. And so much of that is, mental and i've given those examples of does the founder still have conviction are they still thinking the right way putting one foot in front of the other all of that is separate to how i think you know 
just an analytical mind might think about assessing a business where you might look at and say, well, what are the hard skills that they have? Oh, they've got a good CTO with, um, you know, good technical experience in developing software applications, or they've got a good CFO and look, they, he's got a fantastic background in finance with an MBA from a, you know, top tier school and, oh, look, mm-hmm. they've got a fantastic sales team who've, so, you know, got all this, but it's not focused on enough, I think. Uh, thinking about, well, hang on, what what is the sort of the mental and emotional uh, thought process of this founding team and the founders themselves, especially, and how do we consider that and how do we support yeah. them? It's not just about what you see on a, you know, resume uh, of the founding team. And it's not just about what's in a pitch deck in terms of numbers and growth and strategy. It's like, just understand these people as people, because they're the ones that are driving the business. And they're the ones when things turn hard mm-hmm. which inevitably they do it's not about what uh university you went to or where you got your mba or whether you uh worked at a top tier finance or accounting firm or whatever it is it's how are you going to overcome these seemingly insurmountable challenges and i don't think that gets focused on enough it certainly is it's I think being recognized as being more important. Yeah, I agree. But it's not traditionally taught. So that's the the problem. I think it's, you, you know, I mentioned at the very beginning when I was going through this experience, I had to go on a journey of like self-exploration and self-education mm-hmm. and you're finding these things about stoicism and you're reading these, you know, uh, books that you might find that you think are going to be helpful. But it's not structured uh, enough, I don't believe. And yeah. it's not, I think it's still considered too much of a, uh, a soft skill to use that term, which I don't think is, sure. is fair because ultimately I think the, the founder's mindset is, is everything. So the more that can be supported through, uh, tools, coaching, training, uh, education, the better outcome you're going to have as an investor, the better outcome you're going to have for the portfolio companies, just the better outcome I think you're going to have for um, the teams and the people yeah. just individually, which is what you want as well. You don't want a, uh, I mean, there's nothing worse than a successful yet depressed, miserable founder yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. success. Um, you know, you want them to be um, fulfilled and satisfied in the work that they do. Um, whether it's successful financially or not. So yeah, I think more needs to be done. I know it's, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit offline that there's, um, you know, programs starting to emerge and you're certainly uh, immersing yourself into that, which I think is fantastic. And I think other investors in Australia, certainly, I know in uh, Silicon Valley as well, are starting to consider how they can provide support and um uh, more guidance for the founder journey beyond just, you know, technical capability or resourcing requirements or funding needs. So it's happening, but, um, slowly I would say. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. It's, 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 it's encouraging and and hopeful. And it's obviously part of the reason why, uh, I'm jumping down this journey because, uh, I, I just, I, you know, I've lived it firsthand, but also just live by the principle that like everything starts and stops with our mind. I mean, as soon as the mind goes, that you hear this often with uh, like something happens to your body, you break your leg, you can't walk or something. If you have a physical job, well, then you've got a bit of, a bit of a problem. But um, 
it really starts here. I mean, if the mind goes, then that's what's telling you to eat well or exercise, which are all really important things while you're on these journeys. Um, but then also like to make clear decisions and like, it's really hard, right. To, to, to really perform well and think clearly when there's just so much stress on the mind and that like, you know, you're, it's like your mind is jammed floor to ceiling with boxes and, like how, how do you navigate and see the path forward, right? It's 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 challenging. So like I would love to to see how, and it's going to take time, but just to see how we can slowly provide more resources and just acceptance to almost. It's like you know you're onboarded. It's like you go through your due diligence and all of that, and I don't know what happens next as uh, like through the investment journeys. But it's like okay. Uh, you're going to get uh, support here, here, and here. Uh, the founder, you're going to get some mental fitness coaching. The team's going to have a bit, like, just even to start, right? Like, hey, you're, you, you know, it's already been a wild ride. Like, with investment, you're, you're, you're going from uh, small problems to now million-dollar challenges, <laughs> you know? At least I've heard that quote before, right? Like, the, the more money you're raising, the bigger the business uh, that that is being built, the, the bigger the challenges, and essentially, or the scope of those problems, right? Um, which typically links to, you know, more pressure on, on the team and the minds, right? So, um, yeah, it's encouraging that there's some good reports and some good research out there. Do you think, Mike, do you think that's, like on the investment side of things, do you think that's a good starting point in terms of like, let's bring perspective on some data and like what, what's actually happening and like, where, like, where do we start? You know, like who, who do you talk to? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, and you've mentioned this before about just removing the stigma when we think about mental health and I like your take on this with regards to mental fitness. I think that's a, um, a really good way to start the conversation because it takes it, uh, you know, I think people, even if we put the mental uh, aspect of it aside, if you just thought about health as an example, and I think, um, you know, it's people, especially founders who I think have a sense of, you know, a lot of pride and a bit of bravado. And uh, when they think about health, they might not want to talk about, oh, I have a health challenge, but they'll gladly, start to talk about, um, you know, exercise and what they're doing for mm. fitness and like the proactive steps they're taking to improve their health. And I think yeah. starting that conversation with founders as it relates to the mind as well, um, you know, we know it's mental health. Mental health is the outcome and mental fitness and those tools and techniques yeah. is how you get to that outcome of good mental health. So it starts with a yeah. preventative approach as opposed to, waiting to uh, acknowledge, oh, now I have a mental health challenge or, or issue because maybe mm. I wasn't quite equipped or maybe uh, the pressure has become too much or whatever it is that's going on. So I think starting the conversation in the right way and sort of flipping the script a little bit that it's, uh, you know, educating yourself and learning these tools and techniques for mental fitness, which leads to mental health, this is a, um, you know, a good thing to do that we should openly talk about and take pride in and encourage. So I think the conversation, um, it certainly needs to become more prevalent with investors, not just because, um, well, for one, there's a self-serving benefit to investors by doing this. The better you support your portfolio companies, the better it's going to be for yourself mm-hmm. as an investor. But 
you have a unique, I think, relationship as an investor with your portfolio companies, especially when they're early stage startups and that you're really along the journey with them. So most investors will be uh, proactive on that journey and it's a, you know, it's a close relationship. It's not just writing a check and see you later in a few years. And so figuring out how to support the, you know, the people that you're developing these bonds with as well to have these conversations around, um, you know, are you equipped with the right, you know, framework to think about how you're going to solve these challenges and not just, you know, not business framework, but mental framework is a conversation Mm -hmm. I think investors need to be having more of. Um, I mean, there is some early research and there are uh, like statistics coming out, I think that are acknowledging the problem. So um, I'm I'm not going to, you know, quote what these statistics are because I don't have them in front of me and I'll I'll get them wrong, but the the rates of uh, depression and anxiety um, and even uh, like self-harm and suicide, there's been studies into that uh, as it relates to founders and the numbers are not good when compared yeah, to they're the high i mean i can't quote the numbers either but i remember seeing a lot of it like they're the highest out of they're the highest most categories yeah correct and yeah then when you consider that as a human problem you know that's way beyond uh, financial outcomes right yeah so and and that's um you know a good cause for concern i think so it needs to be addressed and so there's data out there um but I think we are still lacking in tools to bring to founders to do something about it. So it's one thing to acknowledge that founders have worse mental health than the general population. And it's obvious the reason why they're putting pressure on themselves and um, they have you know dreams and ambition that may not eventuate the way that they had uh, idolized at the beginning. Okay, yeah. so what are we going to do about it? Uh, not enough is happening at the moment. Um, yeah. But you know you're 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 working in this space and and the tools are starting to be developed and I think um, we're starting to take the right steps. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, and and you know, and I think you, Mike, and I want to be conscious of your time as well here. So we're running over a little bit, um, and just you being a part of of this conversation and providing your perspective uh, and in your time around around the conversation is is, is critical because I mean. You know, this is one chat. We'll have many more on on the series, and then hopefully, you know, it's just a ripple effect of 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 of, of making some of that change. Showing, yeah, like here's here are some openings where we can bring in some of this this information, where we can bring some of these tools. Um, ideally, too, like I remember, you know, for myself, just talking with other founders, like it would just kind of come up in conversation. Like, to your point, like not structured, but it was like, oh yeah, I'm struggling with that too, and it. Sometimes just those lunches, which I, I know I didn't do enough of, but just knowing that you're not alone in like dealing with these high pressure situations or trying to solve these what seem like impossible challenges uh, often release a lot, just a lot of mental pressure. I think like just I think just even stimulating some conversation, right, and maybe even bringing in other founders, like bringing in some of the other portfolio founders that are maybe further down the road with like your new batch that's coming in or something. Um, yeah, correct. The storytelling element to it is is critical. I think it starts with the storytelling element. You, you have to get people talking about it in the first instance and acknowledging it. And like you said, recognizing that you're not alone. So for those founders going on that journey to recognize that your experience is not unique, there's many other people like you. And in fact, 
almost any founder building any startup is going to have a similar experience. Nobody cruises through you know, building <laughs> yeah. a successful Well, that business. was easy. <laughs> yeah. It's just not right. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, wow. What a, what a breeze. I mean, maybe you know, some people win the lottery as well. You know, yeah, like, fair. But, but it, it's, it's unlikely to be the journey that uh, most go on. Most people, it's going to be hard. Um, yeah. So talking about it and connecting with other founders is essential. And then I think it's, yeah, how do you introduce the tools to then do something about it and get better outcomes at the end? Yeah. Well, amazing, Mike. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with one question. Um, we'll, we'll wrap this up, but I just want to know, you know, <clears throat> all said and done, just, you know, like what, what, what makes you smile each day about your work and, and what you're involved with? So I think because there is that, you know, entrepreneurial spirit in me always seeing like, I love to now be able to go on that journey with founders from start to finish. And I've been fortunate to be doing this now for a number of years. And so I've seen, uh, for some of the founders that we've backed at a very early stage turn ideas that seem, you know, crazy at the time into incredibly successful businesses that have gone on to do IPOs or, you know, successful yeah. acquisitions. Um, and just being a part of that and knowing that, in a small way that we're helping to contribute to uh, not just the founders, you know, journey and, and hopeful, hopefully their eventual success, but the fact that they're putting something into the world to begin with. I mean, that's the thing I love Lovely. about uh, the startup ecosystem in general is that anyone with an idea that wants to create some kind of new value into the world that, uh, you know, customers or users are going to start uh, adopting or paying money for or finding value in and that this idea in someone's head is coming into existence and having an impact and in a small way to be able to contribute to that financially through investment but also hopefully being a good you know mentor and supporter as yeah. well like that's the reason why i love uh the job that i have and being able to do what i do um so going on that journey with them special it's uh it's a special special journey well mike thank you honestly uh i mean i wish i knew you when we were uh in the investment stages for the for the company you're just a, a flat out great human and i mean i'm sure the listeners can feel that i know i feel that uh in the few conversations we've had so far and uh it's a pleasure to know you i again thank you for taking your time to be on the show and a bigger thank you for dedicating yourself and your energy and being empathetic to the people that you're working with and, you know, just, you know, giving it your all to help, help those teams and those founders, uh, like you said, bring these, these awesome products and services and innovations to the world. Uh, you know, it's, a it's, it's no small feat. So keep rocking it out there yeah, and, you. uh, and thank you. Thank you. It's been good. <laughs>